Well, thank you for listening to this podcast on the go, where we talk some music, community activities, lifestyle trends, sports, and more. I'm David Endress, and you may know me as one of the hosts of Day Radio's Morning Blend. Be it from Bach to the Beatles or Rachmaninoff to the Rolling Stones, my talented guest, he can play it all. While the violin is his main instrument of trade, he can shred it on the guitar as well, and I'm guessing several other instruments. We will find out. Where you will find him most often, though, is on the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall stage in downtown Portland, sitting right up front as the Oregon Symphony's Associate Concert Master. We welcome Peter Frajola. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me, Dave. Well, it's always great to talk to you. I think we've known each other. We go back all the way to our uh, Salem roots, if you will, growing up. Although you you grew up on one side of town. I was on the other side of town. But uh, <laughs> here we are today uh, talking a little uh, music and uh, media and I think about you playing on the Oregon Symphony stage and we heard the open there before we started. And who was that? Uh, that was Johann Sebastian Bach's Lure, L-O-U-R-E, which is an old French dance. Um, and I, I just love that particular movement of, of uh, his third partita. He wrote three sonatas and three partitas. That's the second movement of the third partita, if you're counting. Right. Uh, but that particular piece just is, is just so so pretty and light and just it's just it speaks to me yeah no that's great plus the name of that particular movement is lure which kind of reminds me of my wife's name Lori. that's right so there we yeah go. there you go shout out shout out to Lori. yeah uh, good job i'm wondering too we talked about growing up in salem you've been with the oregon symphony how long now i just completed my 39th year wow. and i'm hopefully going to make it through 40. We'll yes. Take one year at a time. Now that's great. And then how long is the associate concert master? Oh, as associate concert master, I think 25 years. I was assistant concert master, third chair for the first 14 years when right. I got here. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a long history there. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, lots, that's wonderful. Lots of being right up front. <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, and I see you sometimes come out and uh, warm up the musicians before the show starts. So that would be a concertmaster duty when I'm concertmaster for, like, say, pops concerts or youth concerts or movies or things like that. Uh, we come out and we get to take a little solo bow and then turn around and tune the orchestra. And then I sit down and shut up and just do what everybody else does. There. <laughs> That's great, though. That's a great way to start. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about your background. As I mentioned, growing up in Salem, as, as I did, how did you really get started in music? What was the beginning? Well, my parents were both violinists. They were both teachers. My dad taught in the public school system in South Salem. And my mom taught private lessons at our house. So typical day for me. I'd have a violin lesson before school. I'd see my dad at school 
because he was the conductor of the orchestra. Right. And then I'd come home and maybe have another little, maybe a little private lesson with my dad to go over whatever I probably didn't do very well that day <laughs> yeah, during school. Yeah. And then I could go, you know, go out and play and do the rest of my homework and stuff. Uh, but they were both musicians first and foremost. They both came up and played in the Oregon Symphony for a number of years. Mm. Um, and uh, just avid musicians, avid violinists, right. avid teachers. Yeah. So. so obviously there was always music in your household. Lots of music. My two big sisters both played. My younger brother both play, uh, also played. Uh, they started started all of us when we were about four years old, four, four and a half or something. Right, yeah. And uh, there was no escaping it. Yeah. So was there ever any pushback from you like, eh, I don't want to do this? Or did it just come so naturally that it was something that you always did, always wanted to do, and obviously continued to do? Well, when I was a little kid, I, I had trouble at first, like most kids, learning the instrument and being thrown into having to learn the, uh, the language you're reading on a piece of you know, music paper. Yeah. So you're playing, which is like talking. Uh, you're reading, learning to read, and also learning to write a little bit. Uh, and I didn't do that well at first. And, you know, most kids tend to have little meltdowns, and I'm sure, sure. I did too. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure of it. <laughs> but quickly enough, you know, I learned to read music, learned to read the different clefs, like treble clef for violin, bass clef for cello, and, mm -hmm. and bass guitar, and whatever else. So there's no problem. So as you got older and, and went on into, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, were you always in the concert bands at the schools? Uh, not so much bands, but the orchestra, definitely. Yeah, My yeah. dad teaching orchestra, I pretty much had to be there. And I was usually up front because I was one of the better trained kids in sure. you know, the south end of Salem. So yeah, yeah. Uh, he depended on me and kind of leaned on me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it was, for, you know, for the better. So then I also joined the stage band in seventh grade, learned to play bass guitar. Nice. And uh, it seemed kind of natural. It's the same four strings of the violin, but in an opposite order. Who? The, the violin is G, D, A, E, and yeah. the bass guitar is... G-D-A-E. Right. So, yeah, yeah it goes downwards. Was that hard to adapt? Did it mess with your mind? Not really. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I fell right into it. It was great. Yeah, and then I, I know just, again, being friends and seeing you play uh, some rock and roll music with uh, rock and roll bands, too, throughout the years, playing guitar. Right. So, I mean, are you self-taught on these instruments versus you were trained on the violin? Correct, yeah. I, I, I pretty much just picked up guitar and, and just started learning on my own uh, very unlearned style of playing yeah but that's pretty much what most rock and rollers do anyway so sure yeah it works out gets a job done so <laughs> bass guitar guitar violin as a i mentioned little, in the open a little bit of keyboards keyboards i've got a mandolin i've got a ukulele i've got yeah just yeah yeah I'm see that's awesome all. yeah trying it all so I, I asked another person this question like a foreign language once once you learn one foreign language from what I hear, it's easier to learn the next foreign language, so on and so on. Are instruments the same way? Yeah, very much so. Uh, especially with guitar and bass guitar, they're virtually the same thing, except the guitar has two added strings on top and an octave up from there. But it's the same principles. Yeah. Ukulele is vastly different. Banjo is different, completely different. Mm -hmm. The 
mandolin is the same four strings as the violin, except for each one string of the violin, there's two on the mandolin. Okay. Doubled strings. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's playing it, the instrument with your left hand is similar to the violin, but then playing it with the right hand, you don't use a bow, you use a pick. Yeah. So that's more like guitar playing. So if you play violin and guitar, you can play mandolin pretty easily too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It works. Yeah, that's great. (laughs) So this is one thing I've always wondered because as a grade schooler, I took piano lessons and I enjoyed it. But I also enjoyed playing sports. And yeah. so one of my great regrets in life is that I didn't keep up with the piano. And I mean, could I sit down and, and pound out a couple things? Sure. Is it great? No. Is it <laughs> is there anything technically about it? No. But I've always wondered this. Someone who is proficient with an instrument, do you ever get to the point like when I'm playing the piano, I really have to think hard and concentrate hard on what notes to hit, where to go, those sorts of things. Does it ever get to the point where you don't have to think about it because it just comes naturally? Do you know what I'm saying there? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And no, it doesn't come naturally. Okay. I mean, it, 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 yes, you get more comfortable with things over time. Yeah. But that fear of making even a slightly out of tune note yeah. at the beginning of a good note, maybe that never goes away. The, the fear of, of messing up a little bit, especially when you're, you know, right up front in an orchestra or sitting right next to a great concert master. Like we have a great concert master, Sarah Kwok, or right underneath the conductor's nose. Yeah. Lots of fear. Okay. <laughs> it, that to me, keeps me in line. Yeah. <laughs> the concentration to me, seems like that has to be mentally fatiguing, not to mention just the the movements of your hands to play the instrument from a physical standpoint, but to me, that becomes more mentally fatiguing. It, it is. It's definitely mentally and emotionally fatiguing, and it's rewarding at the same time. Yeah. Because, like, especially in this orchestra, the Organ Symphony is such a great orchestra, so many great players and we're all challenging each other. We're all watching each other and, uh, you know, egging each other on yeah, a little bit yeah, when yeah, something yeah. gets good Sure. or maybe kind of getting a little defensive when something isn't going well and we're, you know, heightened sense of, of yeah. uh, concentration then yeah. for sure. Can you hear if somebody makes a mistake? It's just like, mm, that wasn't right. <laughs> Not calling anyone out. Not that, that you would. But I mean, you're, you're so in tune to the music. Can you pick those things up? Does the music director pick that up? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of his job, especially in rehearsals. He'll play through something. He'll have us play through something. He stops us and then he corrects a bunch of different things. And they're not always mistakes. It's just maybe our own interpretation that he has a different interpretation. Right. And maybe, you know, with 80 different people on stage, he has to corral all these people into one sure. style of interpretation. Yeah. So that's that's his main job. And music directors are, are great. And our current music director, David Donsmeyer, is phenomenal. Yeah. Great ear. You've played some with some great ones. Yeah. Over the course of time. Who was your first, uh, who was the first music director you played with? Uh, James DePriest hired me and gave me the uh, third chair, the assistant concertmaster. Right. Gave me that job. And then towards the end of his tenure, I moved up to second chair. He granted me the move up 
when there was an opening. Yeah. So I got lucky twice. Do you ever have to try out for these things? I mean, how do you how do you become the associate concert master? Oh yeah, absolutely. Whenever there's an opening, it, it becomes a uh, nas- <clears throat> excuse me nationally advertised opening. Okay. And there's going to be an audition. They have to advertise for it. They have to schedule an audition. Whoever shows up has the opportunity to play. Okay. And whoever doesn't, you know, sorry. Yeah. And so how do you how do you uh, do that? What's the process of how do they select the person? There are three rounds, preliminary, semifinals, and final round. And the music director usually joins us for the final round, and he makes the ultimate decision. But at the end of each round, the field is narrowed a bit. Okay. So there's fewer and fewer people as we go th- into the finals. And it comes down to maybe one or two people, sometimes three or four, and the music director makes a choice. A playoff. Yeah, exactly. Do they see you, or is it like a blind, they don't want to know who it is? Well, for the first two rounds, we usually have a screen between us and the uh, committee. Yeah. Audition committee. So nobody sees anybody. Nobody knows if you're male or female. Yeah. If you're you know, a friendly face or somebody brand new or whatever. Right. As it should be. Sure, yeah. And then usually in the finals, the screen comes down. Everybody gets more familiar with, mm-hmm. with each other. Then. Mm-hmm. Wow, what, that's a great process. Yeah. yeah. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> talk about nerves. Yeah. yeah. I can understand playing in front of a whole bunch of people, but when you're trying out like that for a big position. Yeah, and you're auditioning for the music director and the concert master and the principal second violin and the principal viola. Yeah. You know, all these big high-powered principal players of the orchestra that hopefully you'll get a chance to work with. It's yeah. intimidating. Yeah, no, I can imagine. We kind of jumped ahead because I wanted yeah. to continue on with your background, uh, talking about how you got to where you are today. So you talked about being in the orchestra at school and, and the other processes that you went through. Where did you go from there? Well, after graduating Sprague High School in South Salem, I went to U of O for two years, and then I finished up at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music, Mm -hmm. which is a really great music school. It's probably the best music school on the West Coast. And uh, then from there, I uh, subbed with the San Francisco Opera and a few other Bay Area orchestras, got a few other jobs in Louisville and Knoxville, moved around the country a little bit, Mm -hmm. and got lucky and got a job back here in Oregon. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Was was the Oregon Symphony your first job? I mean, or in Oregon? Uh, first major job in Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And pretty much my only one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And here you've been here for been. nearly forty years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That that that's wonderful. What's it like to go to a true music school like you were at in San Francisco versus being in the music department at a university? What's what's the difference? At a university, you pretty much have to take all sorts of different classes and. In a conservatory, you're really centered on music. Yeah. Anything having to do with music, whether it's orchestra playing, reading and, you know, repertoire. You're not taking social sciences. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, languages and a few little other lower level courses, but mainly you're really concentrating on practicing your instrument, uh, getting to know an audition system, getting to know language getting to know sound getting to know working with conductors and other musicians right yeah so is that like a full day of classes then oh yeah pretty much yeah and a lot of practicing at night i'll bet Yeah. yeah do you have very i mean obviously you have very dedicated instructors 
I mean, you see some movies where the instructors are not so nice. I'm trying to think of the one that uh, the jazz movie. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Whiplash. Whiplash. Yes, <laughs> that guy wasn't too nice. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking to myself, is it really that way? But are there some intense instructors? There are, and just like the movie Tar that came out. Yeah, Tar, right. Some music directors and conductors can be pretty wild. Yeah. They can be very knowledgeable and very good at what they do, but they can also kind of be a little out there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, it's a creative. It, yeah. Yeah. It's all about creativity and it's, it's also about at the same time adhering to what's come before, which is kind of an odd dichotomy. You sure. Have to, you have to know what's come before, but you also have to be creative today. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. so, over the course of time uh, through the Oregon Symphony, I mean, do you feel like your growth as a musician just just continued to grow and move up and move up? And and, I mean, how did you feel about that going through these now 40 plus years? Well, it was definitely a journey. I mean, it's it's been a a whole life for me right here in Oregon, basically. Uh, in high school and college, I was working on all sorts of music, learning concertos, learning symphonies. And since getting in the orchestra, there's just more and more and more. And there's a lot of modern music that we have to learn. We play some modern music almost every single classical concert. And we also play, you know, Tchaikovsky and Beethoven symphonies and Mozart symphonies. Sure. And, and all sorts of things. So I'm I'm going over and over some of the older music, but we're also still learning you know, brand new music that's mm-hmm. really difficult some of it yeah yeah so yeah it keeps me busy do you have like a a favorite composer somebody who you just love to play if if, if you're going to do a go-to who is it well johann sebastian bach okay yeah. but you know i mean i do like mozart uh mozart's concertos mozart's symphonies uh i like haydn's symphonies um i really like tchaikovsky rachmaninoff schumann mm-hmm. schubert yeah yeah yeah, sure, Schubert, nice. but Schumann maybe a little better. Yeah, yeah. Is one Brahms? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Is one harder to play than another? Uh, they're all difficult in their own way because you're trying to you're you're trying to figure out what they would have heard on the stages when they were con- you know conducting or or just releasing a new composition. Sure. But also you're trying to figure out maybe some even better version of that piece. Mm -hmm. So you have to go back and look at what the practices of the day were, how the violin was played, what instruments there were like trumpets, you know, they back in Mozart's time, the trumpets, I don't know if they had valves yet. I can't Mm -hmm. remember. Okay. Uh, Certainly in Bach's time, they were much more basic. I'll just say. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Understand. Yeah. So we're trying to recreate what Bach or Beethoven or, or Mozart might have heard, but we're also trying to make it maybe even a little better for, mm-hmm. for today's ears and right. today's instruments. Yeah. Here you are on the Oregon Symphony stage, and then we may see Peter Frajola playing out at a nightclub somewhere, playing some rock and roll. Is that what <laughs> is that a uh, how do how does that work for you? Is that a getaway for you? It's like uh, this is relaxing. What's the difference? What's the feel? Well, actually. Playing in bands, different bands, like maybe a bluegrass band or a country band or, or rock or all the different things that I might do, they can be just as scary because you have to learn your 
part. You have to learn your instrument. You have to learn the music. You have to learn how to harmonize with other singers. You have to learn, you know, where we're starting and stopping all the different parts. Yeah. Once you do that, it can be quite a, quite a bit of fun. Yeah. That's great. So I, I see you up on the stage on, say, playing bluegrass or country or whatever, whatever the case may be. <laughs> and here you are on the Oregon Symphony stage playing Bach. And then here you are on the country stage and you're playing <laughs> The Devil Went Down to Georgia with your fiddle. <laughs> Uh, is that is that a true statement? Well, I, I only played The Devil Went Down to Georgia <laughs> once, and I think I was about 11 years old. Okay. <laughs> uh, a little dive bar pretty close to our house in South Salem. That, that's fun. That happened only once. But uh, you, you get my point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the difference between the violin and, quote, the fiddle? Well, the violin and uh, the fiddle is exactly the same instrument as how you play it. Yeah. The violin these days has to be very technically accurate Mm -hmm. and with fiddle playing you're not reading music you're basically making things up a lot a lot of what you're doing is making things up so you're you're able to have a little more freedom i guess technically sure yeah (laughs) and it's it's customary to to slide into the note and to play slightly a, a different intonation system if you will yeah so yeah because i think of remember roy clark Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember him. Great guitar player. Yeah, great guitar player and a great, quote, fiddle player. Fiddler, banjo player. He ba- played everything. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think about him, you know, and it's like, okay, he's a great player. You know, could he transition to an orchestra state? I, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> would, a whole different would, thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really vastly different. Yeah. Just like I doubt if I would ever be, you know, on the Ryman stage nashville yeah playing in a great bluegrass band yeah probably not yeah i'd love to but why not yeah <laughs> I, I you know i i'm probably asking you questions you're going yeah you don't know much about music <laughs> so i apologize no, for but, but these are things i always wondered about yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. these are uh, things that a lot of people might wonder about. yeah so I, I just don't know about how that all you know goes from one one spectrum to the other in music it's all great but it's just like it's just different styles and you know whatever you're whatever you're trained in right so the oregon symphony after the pandemic here you're back in with the full season what was it like during the pandemic for the symphony well we didn't really have uh technically a real season we were basically laid off from work, but then we got some PPP loans to come back and do a series of uh, like little video recordings. We right. did three different weeks of video recordings where we would basically play a full concert that we were recording audio and video, I should say. Okay. And um, those got sent out. So uh, we did have some work and we were able to you know, perform together, but usually yeah. as just the string section. And we were spread apart from sure. each other. Yeah, that's a lot of musicians did. Yeah, during during the pandemic, right? We all had to wear masks. We all had to be six feet apart from each other. So it looked like kind of a, a weird spread out checkerboard of you know versus our usual really tight tight knit group. Yeah, didn't you go out though and just do some stuff on the street? I mean, just like we showed up in a neighborhood with four people and we played. Didn't you do something like that? We actually did a, a few things like that yeah. where we would just you know pop into a neighborhood or a shopping mall or something and try to hope hope that you know nobody gets too close to yeah, us yeah. that we don't get too close wearing masks again playing music because that's what we do we you know we 
want to play music. Sure. And we couldn't play together as a full orchestra for basically a yeah. whole year. What was it like that first day that you all got back together? Were there like tears of joy? Oh yeah, there there were a lot of tears. A lot of people very happy to see each other. I mean, and and even if we were maybe not supposed to, we were hugging each other. Sure. Just, yeah. Yeah. It was really great to get back and start playing again. In the orchestra itself, you've got kind of give me the break. Strings, what's the what's the breakdown of all the different instruments? Well, the string family is violins, first violins, second violins, violas, cellos, and basses. We have woodwinds, which are flute, oboe, clarinet, bassoon, and if you call French horns a, a woodwind, yeah, can call them woodwinds because they play together in a woodwind quintet. Mm -hmm. Then you have the rest of the brass, which are trumpets, trombones, tubas, percussion, piano, keyboards, all sorts of different keyboards, mm -hmm. and that that basic feel and, and the instrumentation of an orchestra just keeps growing with the more modern music we mm -hmm, play. Mm -hmm. A lot of the modern composers will search out all sorts of different instruments that you might not hear in an orchestra yeah. anymore. So they're, they're trying things out. They're trying new things. They're trying new instruments, new sounds, new combinations. Do you think I could come in and play the kettle drum? Sure. I'd love to play the kettle drum. I'm not drum. sure how you would do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I have no idea. I just like the idea of playing the kettle drum. It's pretty fun. Yeah, so it, that's part of the symphony, right? You might have to pick a fight with Jonathan, our, our timpanist, but yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe he'd let you sit down for a little bit. Is the, is the, <laughs> is the kettle drum the only drum in the orchestra? Is there, oh, uh, no, no, not what, at all. What, what no. is the... We have snare drums. We have huge bass drums. Okay. We have sometimes, you know, bongos and tablos and I mean, you name it, if yeah. it's... If it's Anywhere in the world, we probably have it on stage. With sure, us at some point. See, that's great. Yeah, I love. I love that. So. We have drum sets. A guy playing a drum set sometimes yeah. for pops concerts or for movies or things. Mm -hmm. You could yeah. probably do that. See, there I'd you go. Uh, there you go. Call, I'm in. Come Give me in. a call. I want to do it. Come on and sit down. <laughs> Speaking of which, I, I'm looking at your schedule, and we'll go through the symphony schedule, but you do some uh, where you play the movie scores to the movies, right? Right. We call it our popcorn package. Yeah. So one of them that's coming up on... Saturday, the 23rd of, is that September? I believe that's September. Let me take a look here. I'm, I'm looking at your schedule online. Yeah, September. Okay, so okay. the 20, 23rd and the 24th, it's Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The movie will be projected? Correct. Uh, in the theater right. while you're playing the music. Yeah. So it's it's a really interesting way of showing a movie and having an audience come and see us still. Yeah. We're showing the movie. They have all the sound of the movie, except they drop down the music track, and we play the music track live. So you can kind of look up at the screen to see the action. You can kind of just glance down once in a while to see what the orchestra's doing sure. and back and forth. And it's kind of electrifying, for even for us, because we know a lot of these movies. We grew up you know, watching these oh, movies. Yeah. And we've, we finally get a chance to play yeah. you know, some of these great themes from... Uh, action themes and whatever love themes from all these movies. It's sure. really fun. Well, and the like audience loves it. Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's John Williams, right? John Williams. Yeah. <laughs> See, and the, how many great scores has he done? Oh, God, amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was no slouch. No, no question. So you do that, and, and is and the, the movie, the entire movie, dialogue and all, plays, right? Everything. Yeah. yeah. It's just the orchestral score that the music score, if you will, the orchestral music score. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe there will be 
something in a movie where there's like a rock band or something and mm-hmm. they, they keep that part because we usually don't have rock bands. On yeah, yeah, bands. right. Yeah, but otherwise we do all the music. I'm thinking about this because I look at your schedule. It's a busy schedule. Once you get started with the season, it's a busy schedule. There's a lot of performances that go on. How do you, or how much time do you have to learn the music? Because it's a, it's a, it's a quick turnaround. Uh, we generally have not enough time. To, yeah. to learn. <laughs> there you go. There's a great not enough. Not enough. Yeah. Usually, uh, so they give us the music about. Uh, Two weeks in advance. Yeah. They're supposed to give it to us usually two weeks in advance anyway. Some things come in a little shorter than that. But we uh, have to sit down and learn that maybe during our own off hours at home. Mm-hmm. We learn our parts. We learn the, the, the music for you know two weeks up the road while we're rehearsing one week of music and then performing it that night. Right. And then the next week, something that we've rehearsed two weeks or one week ago and it's just this constant flow of of getting music, wow. learning it, rehearsing it with the orchestra, performing right. it that night, usually at two or three nights a week. So you're really practicing stuff a couple weeks in advance of what you're currently playing live show. Right. And there's there are a lot of times also where we'll look ahead and say, okay, we're playing Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony this coming year or whatever. Uh, so I'm just going to pull the music out and just take a look at that, you know, during the summer or whatever, during the early fall. Yeah. Just to make sure I, I remember all these different hard places that better know. <laughs> yeah. Gotta know. Exactly. Yeah. And then the symphony also has guests who come in, uh, musical guests who come in, maybe they're a vocalist, whomever, and then you have to play for them. I'm trying to think of an example of somebody who I've seen play that you played. In fact, what was the show? This might have been pre-pandemic, actually. It might have been right before the pandemic, where you actually were invited up to play with the band. You joined them, the quartet. It was like four of you guys, and uh, it escapes me right now. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, It might have been a band that was uh, playing, and they did a little vocal encore, and I think I just put yeah, my you, violin down yeah, and came up. you and, came up, yeah. Yeah, I came up and sang you, with them a little bit. I know you play a lot of shows. Do you remember who that was? Sorry if I'm, uh, yeah. It was it, the, I think, <laughs> yeah. I think it was one of her rather local bands, but yeah. that's making, you know, big waves everywhere. Right. But anyway, you have to learn, how much time do you have to learn, like if a musician's coming in from out of town, do they get to rehearse with you? Oh, yeah, of course. So we have... Uh, guest artists who might play the violin or piano or cello or whatever. Yeah. We might have guest conductors when our music director isn't here. We learn their music along with them and yeah. try to play with them as best we can. So you have their sheet music. You're looking at their sheet music. Right. And I guess uh, a lot of that is pre-printed. Yeah. Like maybe a pianist is going to play a, a Brahms piano mm-hmm. concerto. Yeah. We have our parts to that. And then... When we rehearse with them, we'll figure out, you know, well, what do we change? What do we fix? Yeah. How, do, how do we accompany them yeah. best we can? Like, I think there was one time we saw a show with you where it was, uh, I can't remember the name of the artist, but he was doing David Bowie songs. Right. Yeah. And, and then there, another one, Rolling Stones. Right. Yeah. That is Brent Havens. Okay. And he's a conductor. He's a, an arranger. He arranges all the orchestra parts for us. He brings a band. And there's usually two or three or four different guest solo uh, vocalists that he brings, yeah. depending on the show. So a David Bowie show has one particular guest vocalist. Maybe the Led Zeppelin one we did last year has a different Led, uh, a different vocalist. But he writes out all the parts. We just sit down. We just read his parts, and they're they're all ready to go. Usually, yeah, 
fairly easy. Nice. But very fun. Oh, I'll bet. Yeah. yeah. I remember the, seeing the shows. They yeah. were a great time. The audience loves them. Yeah. Yeah. Really Those fun. are wonderful. Uh, have you ever done Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon? Not with Brent Havens, I don't think. Okay. I don't think that just happens, comes to mind, because I think yeah. that would be a perfect orchestra, you know. Well, we'll nudge him towards that one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Tell him, hey, I got a guy who wants you to do Dark Side of the Moon. So uh, <laughs> yeah. let's talk a little bit about the upcoming season, because sure. it's, I was just kind of going through it before uh, you and I got together. And again, it's it's a full season. And I like the way they do it, too, because not everybody can go to every show, but they have it broken down into some packages that you can see. And they, they try to make it, I think, as welcoming as they can for families. And like I said, the movie show, Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they, they, they give you a wide variety of opportunities. Right. So we have 18 classical series concerts and what i mean by a series concert is where we play it at least two times maybe usually three times in one weekend so we have 18 of those they break it down into six uh three groups of six concerts each so you can buy six you can buy 12 you can you know any six or any 12 or any all 18 if you really want right uh and that's really good for you know like like you said like families or people who might not have time to go to 18 whole concerts we have a lot of specials, like one of our very first specials that we have coming up this year is with Yo-Yo Ma, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, it's already sold out. <laughs> yeah, he's, what a surprise. Yeah, yeah, he is phenomenal. He's one of the best cellists that, you know, that, that this generation ever has. Right. So we have, like I say, the pop series. I think there's four different concerts in the pop series. We have... Uh, the popcorn series, which is the movies, mm-hmm. I think there's four of those. Okay, that we're doing. yeah, maybe a fifth if they add if they have time and they can add one later on. Right. We have youth concerts, um, kids concerts. Uh, yeah, you guys play down in Salem. We do Elsinore Theater. I we we know it well. Well, actually, we don't play at the Elsinore. Oh, didn't it? Wasn't it one time at the Elsinore? We did once, I think. Yeah. Okay, and it's Sorry a very it's yeah. a small venue. It's a very small stage. And so normally we play on the Willamette campus. Oh, yeah, sure. Right. A- absolutely. Smith Hall. And Smith Hall. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But we play down there, I think it's seven or eight times a year. Okay. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Get down yeah. to Capital City. Let, yep. Uh, your, your hometown. My hometown. People must welcome you with signs. Welcome back. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yes. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> Just have them throw money, please. Okay. <laughs> Good point. So the season starts September 10th as i see here so that's right around the corner your summer's almost over you yeah. got a month uh, although are you practicing i'm obviously practicing all summer long yeah i like i say i practice on bach a lot and i'll pull out different you know pieces that we're playing coming up different hard pieces if i see something coming up and i need to refresh my memory yeah so uh the oregon symphony's website you can go to that, and all the ticket information is there. It's really well laid out. You can see all the different packages you talked about as right. well. So, uh, great opportunity. So, do you have? Did you see anything on the season schedule that you're like, oh, I can hardly wait for that one, or is it just? Well, as a violinist, I'm really looking forward to Gil Shaham. Um, I can't remember if he's on classical C or which one he's on, but yeah. Okay. Um, classical C, package C. There you go. Uh, he's playing in February, the middle of February. He is one of the phenomenal violinists out there. If you listen to any, anything on the radio, if it happens to be him, it's, it's just phenomenal playing. Yeah. 
I mean, it really harkens back to Heifetz and Shearing and Milstein, those guys, the, the greatest violinists of the 19th or the 20th century. Gil Shaham's right in there with him. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I also really like this one particular concert coming up with our concertmaster and our newer principal viola player, Sarah Kwok concertmaster, Amanda Grimm, principal viola player. They're playing Mozart's Symphonia Concertante, which is like a duo concerto. Uh, and it's a really beautiful piece. Nice. I can't wait for them. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So again, go to the Oregon Symphony's website and you can see the full schedule. It's a full one. goes all the way through October, pretty much, well, I think. We start in September and we go through June. I mean, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. September yeah. through... Into June. Into June. Yeah. Right. That's a lot of music there, yeah. but... Uh, Just like going back to school. <laughs> yes. You're up to the task. <laughs> I hope so. So what did we miss, Peter Fajola? What did we not talk about? You want to talk about anything? I think we... Got it all. We covered covered a lot of ground. So, really happy uh, to be here and and talk to your audience a little bit. Yeah, uh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's great to talk with you. And uh, again, just congratulations too on almost forty years with the symphony. That is fantastic. We'll see if I get there. <laughs> well, <laughs> you'll you'll make it. I know. I know you will. We're gonna wrap it up here, and we'll finish. We'll go out with a bang. And Peter's gonna play something from. Uh, we'll call it maybe a little more from like the pop concert side of things. So we'll let you think about that and that is the way we'll go out so thank you again always great to see you great to talk with you and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at the arlene schnitzer concert hall very good thank you dave he is the associate concert master for the oregon symphony peter Fajola. great to have you with us thanks Thank you for listening to On The Go. This podcast is available on the Hail Mary Media app, brought to you by Mater Day Radio. I'm David Endress. I'll talk to you soon.